Hello, my name's Tom Fitz. Um, I've been a member of this church for over 10 years. I've been so thankful for this church. I never was really involved with any of the other churches that I was a member of, um, but Jeff came to me and asked me to be on the board of trustees and all my excuses of not having time or not being good enough or not being qualified, I, I finally put those away and, and made that step. And that, that's just opened up a whole nother walk in my Christian life. If you truly want to grow and, and be a better Christian, just get involved. There are so many talented people that are good Christians at this church that you can learn so much just by being involved. The Board of Trustees, that led to me being uh, invited by, by Jeff to be on the building committee. Um, and then from that, I was asked to be a co-chair. And we were in the middle of the building process, and Jeff came to me and said, Tom, I would like for you to be involved with the generous gifts portion of our Above and Beyond campaign. And I was like, great, I get to help build it. Now he's going to ask me to go ask people in our church for money. Fortunately, that was not the way it went. Uh, one of the best things our church ever did was hire RSI, their consultant, and they helped churches with their capital campaign. And for that program to truly work, we had to mobilize an unbelievable amount of people in our church. And after they explained the program, th this was not going to be about us asking people in our church for money. This was actually, we got to go sit down with people in their homes, tell them our need, and just show them scripture that they need to read, and just ask them to have a conversation with God, that He is going to be the one that will truly let you know what you need to do and what you give. And it's obvious that those conversations were had with God because our church definitely went above and beyond. And that's just proof by the new building that we have. And it was just unbelievable to be a part of that. Um, to see the success that we had. The most exciting part to me was, and, and I was apprehensive about even calling people, was that when I got in their home, they had carved out time for me to be there. And you could tell, I mean, it was, it was husband and wife, wives, and they had had conversations before I got there, and they didn't know what, what I was going to ask. They thought I was coming there to ask for money. And when I explained it, that, no, we want you to read these scriptures and, and to see what God wants you to do, and then you as a family sit down and pray and just ask God what he should do, and then just seeing the looks on their face when that's what you were asking, it was it was a great sight to see. Well, thank you, Tom, for answering God's call. We may give him a few months off from serving. Well, I want to say a special hello to the folks over in the auditorium. So how about all you nice folks in here give them a hand and say good morning to them. <laughs> I also want to thank everyone who's been involved in Above and Beyond. It's been truly amazing to see what God is doing through the people of Mount Horeb. As you listen to Tom share his story, have you ever wondered if you're experiencing all the life that God wants you to experience? Are you living into your God-given purpose? Today, as we begin this sermon series called Lock and Key, we're going to look at important biblical keys, keys that you and I need to unlock our God-given potential. God has blessed us, and God has entrusted us to be his servants, to be his stewards. And my prayer is that we will discover the keys, the keys to spending our lives wisely. 
Because the reality is, folks, one day we will all stand before God. And God will ask us, how did you spend your life? How did you spend your time? How did you spend your talents? How did you spend your treasures? And did you do it wisely and for the glory of God? Anytime I mention the word spend and stewardship, some people start getting uncomfortable. It reminds me of the old story that Pierce Norman, the great evangelist we had here through the years, he told maybe out in the tent in a revival we had on the ball field out there. He told the story of a thief that had broken into a home. And in the midst of his thievery, he hears the voice, Jesus is watching you. He looked around startled and didn't see anyone. He continued his thievery and the voice came again, Jesus is watching you. He looked around again and his eyes began to focus and he saw a birdcage. And in the cage was a parrot. And the parrot said again, Jesus is watching you. And he laughed to himself and said, that's funny. Then his eyes got real focused and he saw a Rottweiler standing there. And the parrot then said, sick him, Jesus. <laughs> now, I don't, have, I don't know how many of you have a home security system. And maybe you even have a Rottweiler. If you do, please let me know before I come see you. Almost all of our cars have built-in alarm systems. You know, safety is big business. I've never seen many security guards posted around a trash dump. But we do take great security measures around banks and jewelry stores. And here in our passage this morning that Craig read for us, God places great value on your heart. And he says, above all else, guard your heart. Doesn't tell us to guard our belongings doesn't tell us to guard our houses. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. God knows that our integrity and our vitality flow from our hearts. And the first key to spending your life wisely is to learn to guard your heart. If you don't allow God to change your heart and guard your heart, you will never discover your God-given plan, your God-given potential. And God is using this church to do some amazing things. But what if all the people that come to this church discover their God-given potential, begin to live into their God-ordained dream? I would say to you this morning, a guarded heart is not a neglected heart. Now, all of us, if we're here today, have a physical heart that is working. Our hearts are amazing things. They pump between 70 and 75 times a minute. I shared this in the 8 o'clock service, and I had one of our doctors in there, and I made sure that these stats were right because I just read them online. But our hearts weigh only 11 ounces, and they pump 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels every day. Isn't that amazing? And when our hearts hurt, we call the doctor. And when our hearts fail, we die. Still, the number one cause of death in the United States is heart disease. 
our hearts are pretty important. And many of us are conscious about our heart health. We try to watch what we eat. We try to measure our steps. We want to take good care of our hearts. But I would say the greatest problem in our nation, the greatest problem in our world is a spiritual heart disease. That our hearts have grown cold and our hearts have grown distant from God. And so the wisdom of the proverb, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, when the Bible talks about the heart, what does it mean? It's much more than our physical heart that does all this amazing work that keeps us breathing and keeps us walking around. The heart in the Bible means the center of our emotions. It means our thinking. It means our soul, our mind. The heart is the center of our personality. It's, it's, it's what we do. It's who we are. And all of us, I believe, need regular Holy Spirit heart calves. Now, I've been fortunate so far. I have not needed one of those heart calves that you go in the hospital for. But trust me, God has given me several, many, many Holy Spirit heart calves where the Holy Spirit has asked me and convicted me, how's your weight? How are you handling the, those burdens of life? And are you taking on unnecessary burdens, filling your life with unnecessary worries, unnecessary stress. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that Jesus said, bring to me your burdens. Bring to me your cares. This morning, how is your pulse? Is your spiritual heart in rhythm with God through prayer and through worship? How's your blood pressure in your spiritual heart? Is your faith greater than your anxiety? Has your conscience grown numb because of the decisions you're making in your life? How's your diet? Are you enjoying the life-giving nutrients we find in God's word, the bread of life? And have you joined a gym, a community of faith where you can work out your walk, whether it's in a Bible study group, a small group, or a Sunday school class? And I would tell you that if this is all you're doing to work out your spiritual heart, coming to Sunday's services, you're not fit. You're only going to grow spiritually as you should in your heart by getting together with other believers and sitting down together and working out your salvation, working out your faith in Bible study and fellowship together. You know, we oftentimes neglect our spiritual heart God is always looking at our hearts. Whenever God was looking for a king to replace Saul through his prophet Samuel, doing his interviews, the Lord said this to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. You talk about a CAT scan. <laughs> The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This morning, the Lord is looking at every heart in this place. My heart and your heart is under 
intense examination. And no matter what we say, no matter how we look, no matter what we're doing, the Lord knows our hearts and he examines them. That's why David prayed later in his life, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. One of the keys to spending your life wisely is for God to create in you a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit. Our God, the creator of the earth, who can take something from nothing, can take your heart, your heart that may be broken, your heart that may be impure, your heart that may be jaded, your heart that may have failed and make it into a new heart. Miss Bessie, my sixth grade Sunday school teacher, when I went occasionally, would say that God has a great big bucket of love. And when you ask him, he takes that big bucket of love and pours it in your heart and washes it clean and gives you a new heart. If our heart is right with God, our eyes our mouths, our feet will honor and glorify God. I love these words that come from Ezekiel. Did I give those words from Ezekiel? I think I did. <laughs> Let me try those again. Where God says, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you so you will live by my commands. Our God has the power to do that. But how can we stay pure? How can we stay right with God? How can we guard our hearts? I love these words from Psalm 119. The question is, how can a young man stay pure? Let me add that. How can any of us stay pure? How? By reading your word and following its rules, I've tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander off from your instructions. I have thought much about your words and stored them where? Stored them in my heart so they would hold me back from sin. This morning, we want to trust in God's word to guide our hearts, to guard our hearts. I want you to listen to Tom as he shares a few more words with you, how he began to trust God and to follow God's guidelines and the steps he took to follow God. Watch this. When I was first married, um, Suzanne and I had a lot of discussions about how much money we should give. And we started out not tithing on, on our gross pay. We started on our, on our take-home pay. And it, it, we started small, and it's taking us a lot of years to realize the power of truly sacrificial giving. That if you really want to be blessed, you've just got to step out in faith and, and really do something uncomfortable and just go above and beyond what, what you think you can do. And God will truly bless you for that. Well, I know what I've seen, and my biggest stumbling block has been time, or I, I didn't feel like I was good enough, or qualified enough to do it. But when you finally take that first step and see 
that doesn't matter. God is going to provide time. When you're doing his work, it's him doing it. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to be a good enough person. If you think about it, none of us are qualified or good enough to do God's work. But you're working with him, so he is doing the work. Uh, the money side of it, if, if you're tired of worrying about money, give money to God. It, it will completely change your life when you start giving him your time and money. That's just two things you won't have to worry about anymore. You know, this is not a sacrifice. This truly, selfishly is an investment. Not only are you getting to help other people get to know God, but you're completely changing your household. You don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about time. God is itching up there in heaven for us to step out in faith. And the more you step out, you'll truly get to see his power and see his true blessings. You know, the more we step out, the more we trust God and follow his guidelines, the more that God will use us to change the world. You know, the bottom line, if we're going to make a difference in this world, we've got to trust God. Will you trust God with your heart? You know, one of the scariest things that I ever did, and I shared this several times in messages, was to trust my heart to Lynn and to begin a journey with her. But the most important decision I ever made in my life was to trust my heart to God. It was to let God take my heart and let God use my heart to change the world. Will you trust God with your heart? Will you go where God wants you to go? Will you step where God wants you to step? Will you look at what God wants you to look at? Will you give God charge of your life, your talent, your time, your treasures? Will you trust God with your family? Will you trust God with your future? Will you trust God with your business? And what does that look like when we trust God? When we say, God, I want to follow your guidelines, what does that look like? Well, it means that if you discover that you need to go see a Christian counselor, you make an appointment. And you go talk to somebody about the problems in your heart. And you go get the help that you need. You call one of the pastors here and you say, I really need to talk to somebody about something I'm struggling with. It means that whenever the Lord convicts you and convinces you, you need to go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I really blew it. Will you forgive me? It means that you step out of your comfort zone and, and, and join a small group or join a Sunday school class. It means you're willing to get rid of the things in your life that are messing up your heart. Bottom line is, will you trust God with your heart? You know, God is itching for people to trust him. That's what Tom said. I love that. God is itching for people to trust him. You know what God wants from you more than anything else? He wants your heart. No matter what I say about how to spend your life wisely, if you've not given your heart to God, none of this matters. You'll be saying, well, you know, the pastor was talking about spending and talking about my time and my talent. If you've not given your heart to God, nothing I say will ever make a difference in your life. It's when you trust God with your life and your heart that things begin to change. You know, Jesus said these words in Luke 12, 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's one of the keys to spending your life wisely is to know where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be. I've shared with you this morning that a guarded heart is not a neglected heart. 
A guarded heart is a guided heart, and then a guarded heart is a grateful heart. You know, it really unlocks potential is when we learn to be grateful. When we guard our hearts with God's truth and love, we become so much more aware that God has given us his very best. We serve a God who's a giver. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave his only son that whosoever, any of us who would believe in him, will not perish but have life everlasting. Our God is a giver. When you and I mess up, what does he do? He forgives us. He gives us grace and mercy that we don't deserve. If you're here this morning and you're breathing, God has given you every breath that you're taking right now. If your heart is still pumping in your chest, God is allowing that to happen in your life. He gives us his Holy Spirit as a source of comfort and guidance. Are you grateful this morning for what God is doing in your life? Are you grateful for his grace? Are you grateful for his mercy? Are you grateful for the opportunities that God has given every one of us to change the world, to make this world a better place? I love these words from 1 Peter chapter 1. I want you to read it with me. What a God we have. Just say that. What a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, the father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. What a great word. A word that prompts me to be grateful to God. A brand new life that he gives us. We have everything to live for including a future in heaven. And the future starts now, right now. That's the key to spending your life wisely, is to let God have your heart. I believe that gratitude is the guardian of our hearts. We deserve nothing and received everything. You and I deserve nothing, and yet God has given us everything. You know, when I believe when we focus on gratitude and realize how blessed we are, we stop focusing on the minor issues of life. The minor issues of life. And we begin to focus on the things that really matter to God. I'm, I'm blessed to say that for the most part, this church has focused on the things that really matter. Occasionally, I get an email or two on things that I'm going, really? Really? And I'm sure God in heaven is going, Really? <laughs> That's what you're upset about? Let's get upset about the things that God gets upset about. Amen? Blessed are those who mourn. What does that mean? Blessed are those whose hearts are broken by the things that break the heart of God. And some of the things that breaks our hearts don't break God's heart. We need to be focused on the things that matter to God. And as a church, we're doing that. We're trying to reach the lost. We're trying to reach those who don't have a church home. We're trying to spread the good news of the gospel, not just here in Lexington, but all over the world. Blessed are those whose hearts are broken by the things that break the heart of God. And I believe that flows out of gratitude for what God has given to us. How can we major on such minor things when God is focused on major things, on changing the world? Amen? Amen. You know, a guarded and grateful heart always results in a generous heart, a generous heart. I found this quote this morning uh, when I was getting ready, and it was a great quote. It says, it is the heart that makes a person rich. It is the heart 
that makes a person rich. Now, most of us don't look at it that way. We think it's our bank account that makes us rich. We think it's our, uh, our possessions that make us rich, but it's the heart that makes the person rich according to what that person is, not what he has. What that person is and not what he has. You know, this church is blessed by a lot of generosity. It's amazing to me the number of people that give their time in ministry to this church. People that share their talents across the board in this church. As Tom said, there's a lot of talented people in this church. And it's all kinds of talent. It's not just singing talent. It's, it's wonderful. People who are electricians, people who know how to run uh, spreadsheets, people who know how to uh, do medical work. Just, I could go on and on and on. People know how to take care of kids. People know how to mentor students. People that can come alongside others and give them guidance and direction. That flows from a generous heart. You know, eight years ago, this church stepped out and followed God's guidelines and trusted him with generosity and purchased 53 acres of, of, of land we call the promised land. Three years ago, this church took a huge leap of faith and built a new facility that's going to be packed tonight, filled to the brim with 1,700 people in a concert. You know, we stepped out and we trusted God. Let me ask you a simple question. Did God come through? Did God come through? Absolutely, God came through. The question is, why don't we trust him? Why do we try to hold on to everything we got? Just trust him. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your heart. And God will use you to change the world. I found this illustration earlier last week, early last week, and it's from Bill Hybels, the pastor at Willow Creek Church, one of our great churches in America. And I wanted to share some of his thoughts with you on generosity. He, he would invite you this morning, I want to invite you to look at your hands. Would you look at your hands? Take a moment, look at your hands, okay? And think about these hands from the time that you were born. That when you came into this world, your hands were closed. And every time somebody put their little finger next to yours, what'd you do? You reached out and you grasped that finger and you held on. As a toddler, you started holding on to rattles and little toys. And when another kid came by your way and tried to take your rattle from you, what'd you say? Mine. <laughs> this is mine. And you wouldn't share it. In junior high, you hung on tightly to bicycle handlebars because you were afraid you would turn over. In high school, you held on to the hand of Betty Lou or someone else, and you weren't going to let go. When you got to college, you hung on to some things that you probably don't want to talk about, <laughs> and God's forgiven you for. But you also, when you left there, you were holding on to a diploma. And that diploma gave you some sense of credibility and opened some doors for you to find a job. And what'd you do when you started your career? You grabbed hold of the lowest rung on the ladder and what'd you do? You held on. And then you reached for another rung on the ladder and you held on and another and another and you held on. And somewhere you begin to say more. <laughs> I just need more and more and more. And someday retirement will come and you'll hang on to your golf clubs or your tennis rackets 
or your gardening tools or your pitching fund or your social security. And when you get to near to the end of your life, you'll hang on to canes and walkers and wheelchairs. And there's some people when they come to the end of their life, they're gripping so tightly onto a hospital bed because they don't know what's gonna happen next. But then when they die, they finally relax their grip. And they know exactly what they shouldn't have held on to. The reality is, friends, there's a big difference between our hands and the hands of God. In creation, God formed and fashioned something that was very good. And what did he do? He opened up his hands and gave this creation as a gift to his people to be cared for and to enjoy. Throughout history, our God has opened his hands and provided his people with food and drink and protection and blessing and love. And I say to you this morning that God's generosity and God's kindness are, are not fading. God's resources aren't drying up. And God desires to open his hands and bless his children with goodness. And when any of us come to the point of reaching out to God, you can, I'll guarantee you that God's hands will be open to you. How much did God love this world? So much that he opened up his hands and gave the gift of his only son. He sent his only son into this world as a gift. And what did Jesus do? Jesus came and saw the needs of people and he opened up his hands and he taught and he healed and he touched and he loved and he, and he fed. You see, friends, a generous heart is not a clenched heart. It's not a clenched heart. It's an open heart. That's the way God made us, to have a heart that is open, hands that are open. Today, we join Christians around the world in celebrating worldwide communion. We remember and celebrate what Jesus did as he's about to be nailed to the cross as a sin payment for all of us. He didn't clench his fist and try to hold on to his life. He didn't shake his fist in anger at those who were nailing him to the cross. What did he do? He opened his hands and received the nails as he was nailed to, his, to a cross. His blood was shed so that our sins can be forgiven. You see, that's what sets God apart from us is his hands are wide open. When you reach out to God this morning, God's hands are open. Do you need some grace? Do you need some mercy? God enjoys giving his grace and his mercy. Will you look at your hands again? Do you want your hands to look like the hands of God? The hands of Jesus? Will you receive his mercy? Will you receive his grace? And will you go from here and share his grace and mercy? You know, when you come in a few minutes to receive Holy Communion, you can't receive it with closed hands. You gotta open your hands up to receive the grace of God. But once you leave here, don't close your hands back up. Don't stick them deep into your pockets and go, it's all mine and hold on to it. 
Will you be a conduit? Will you have the hands of God and go and spread grace and mercy and love to the world? You know, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, Paul says this, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You'll be made rich in every way so you can open up your hands and share God's blessings with the world. And your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. After I pray, Pastor Faye and Pastor Nick will be leading Holy Communion in the auditorium while we receive communion here in the sanctuary. Will you open your hands to receive God's gift? Will you allow your hands to begin to look like the hands of God? Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you that you have blessed us so much, that you've opened your hands to us to provide everything that we have. We're some of the most blessed people on the planet Earth right here in Lexington. And God, you've asked us to be your people, to follow after Jesus. Thank you for the people in this church that share their time and their talent, their treasure, their resources to allow your kingdom to grow and do amazing things. I pray you'd fill every heart with thanksgiving and joy. And may all of us be willing to receive this gift of grace and mercy. And the way that the world will know that we've received your grace is how we use our hands and how open our hearts are to your love to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.